troops in the system, Neil. That system is our enemy. When you're inside, you look around, what do you see? Businessmen, teachers, lawyers, carpenters, the very minds of the people we are trying to save. But until we do, these people are still a part of that system, and that makes them our enemy. You have to understand, most of these people are not ready to be unplugged. And many of them are so inert, so hopelessly dependent on the system, that they will fight to protect it. Were you listening to me, Neo? Or were you looking at the woman in the red dress? Good morning. Welcome to the Mark Reslin Show here on the Crusade Channel, part of the Veritas Radio Network, helping people unplug from the Matrix since January of 2016. I'm glad you joined us this morning. We're live Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Central Time, followed by my good friend Mike Church, host of the Mike Church Show. As a live call-in program, you can call anytime you'd like at 844-5-CRUSADE, 844-527-8723. I'd like to draw your attention to my website, markkreslins.com. Through that website, you can email me at mark at markkreslins.com. And please uh, visit my Facebook routinely. It's another way for us to stay in touch. Facebook slash The Mark Kreslin Show, and I'm over on Twitter as well, at Mark Kreslin's. I'm glad you joined us, and indeed, that is our mission, folks. Monday through Friday, we are trying to encourage people to in- unplug from the Matrix. It has a devastating hold on millions and millions of people who don't even know that they have the cable plugged in the back of their heads. And I want to commend some of you out there who I see on Facebook beginning to make the argument that we make here on the show routinely uh, that you've got to unplug. Specifically, I think of Jeremiah and being invited onto a Facebook page discussion yesterday. And he's asking the question of his friends, um, if we don't have a legislature in a new system of government, then what do we do? How, what, how do we organize laws? And folks, that's really what you're going to have to do, not just me here on the radio Monday through Friday, or Mike Church on his show, which starts at 8 a.m. Central Time, goes to 11-ish. We're, we're proffering ideas. We are throwing out ideas. We're not just into a complaint fest about what's going on at the Democratic National Convention or the Republican National Convention. We're actually offering ideas. And you're going to need to do the the same thing in your circles of influence, whether it be Facebook, whether it be uh, over uh, dinner, whether it be at lunch, during lunch breaks, regardless of where, you're going to have to be an advocate for your deeply held beliefs. Prior to my quote-unquote lowercase c conversion uh, away from the matrix, um, I used to make arguments for the superiority of the Republican Party. I was fully entrenched in it. I was uh, up to my eyeballs, as they may say, in it until I began to realize that I, too, had the Matrix cable plugged in the back of my head. You'd think after all the showers I, I took 
that I would have felt that thing back there, but somehow it escaped me. Uh, <laughs> I think you get the point. Uh, but as I came to understand that I had a matrix cable plugged in the back of my head, I then had to work to get rid of it. And, and get rid of it, indeed, I did. But it's not enough just to unplug yourself. You've got to understand your friends and family members and coworkers. They have it plugged in, too. And you have a duty to help them. Now, one of the ways you can do that is by having people tune in to my show, have them tune in to Mike's show. Yeah, we'll do the dirty work, if you will. We'll push the envelope of their thinking. They may get mad at us, and from time to time, I get... I don't get as much anger, hate mail, as I get exasperation mail. Well, what are we, what are we supposed to do then? That's a common refrain. It's not anger at me, necessarily. It's anger at exasperation and frustration about... Okay, well, if we, all right, Kreslins, I agree, this isn't working. All right, you finally beat me down after six months of blathering on about the system of government is broken. I, I agree. Okay, smarty pants, now what? That's more of what I get is, can't you say anything good about this country? And of course I say things good about this country. I say good things about the people of this country all the time. I rarely say good things about hashtag the federal government. Because there's not much good to say. Do do you want me to make stuff up? Oh, that bill was a great one. Oh, that policy measure is going to fix everything. You just wait until the Republicans get in control. If that's what you want to hear, well, then there are, I can't say innumerable because there actually are, a, there are, there are a limit of how many talk show hosts will blather on about that. But let's just say there are a large quantity of, um, of mainstream conservative talk radio programs you could tune into and hear that all day, 10, 12, 14 hours a day. You can hear about the GOP superiority over the DNC. And if you happen to be of the other persuasion tuning in for the first time, if you want all-day coverage of the DNC is superior, the Democrats are superior to the Republicans, then you can find that too. This is a market. This is the free market at work. You can choose to go to Sears or Kmart, just like you can choose to listen to truth or deception. Now, it doesn't have to be malicious deception to be deception nevertheless. I don't think most of the guys on mainstream conservative talk radio wake up every morning and say, let's see how I can fool them again. I don't believe that of my fellow competitors. Most of them just don't know what to what else to do. There's just a total and utter lack of imagination out there when it comes to dealing with the problems we face. That's really fundamentally the the problem we face here, folks. Well, here on my show, Mike on his show, others on the network, their shows. We have imagination. <laughs> And we ain't afraid to use it, let me tell you. 
Step away from the imagination, Kreslins. Get back in line. We don't want to hear any of your mumbo-jumbo over there on your stupid little radio program where you talk about uh, republicanism or federalism or uh, secession. Get back in line. Tune back in to mainstream radio. That is where you are allowed to live. Kreslitz, put down the imagination machine. Seriously, folks, what was one of the what were, what were one of the um, comments that came out of the nine eleven uh, disaster? Was that our intelligence agencies utterly lacked imagination when it came to what the nutcases in uh, Al Qaeda would do? That's what. They, that was one of the prime factors. Well, we're, we're kind of infected with the same lack of imagination. Back to my friend Jeremiah, who's over there on Facebook, asking his friends, his circle of friends, if not a legislature, or what system of government would someone approve of um, that would not have a legislature, his friends had a natural response. One of them pointed out that if we would just ob- if they would just obey the Constitution, it would be fine. Perfectly legitimate response from from most people. The problem is the evidence is one hundred percent clear. Nobody has any interest in obeying the Constitution, and it lacks any enforcement mechanisms, folks. Don't you see that that's one of the problems of the, of the very Constitution that people laud all the time, that, it's, that it is the solution? It may be if the uh, parasitic uh, bureaucratic class was forced and compelled to obey it, but guess what? You can't force these. There's no enforcement mechanism to make these guys obey it. Yes, 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 we hear about the... Uh, you know, the supposed power of the vote every two years. Well, you just vote the guys out. That's the great enforcement mechanism of the Constitution. If it's not working, then you vote for people uh, that, <clears throat> um, that will obey the Constitution. Well, folks, you know, you can feel good about that statement all you want and think that that's a solution, but let's examine the fact base. You know, this is where the federal government is is just profoundly uh, effective in their propaganda and allowing you to believe that you have control over this process if you'll just vote the right way. Well, let's examine that. When in our history has there been a time where we've had a majority of the elected parasitic class that had any interest in obeying the Constitution? Point to that area. Point to that time period. Call me at 844-5-CRUSADE, 844-527-8723. Call me and point to that period of time in our history where there were a group of elected parasites. (laughs) Mike, I'm so glad you came up with that term, Mike Church. Uh, Where uh, where was a... When was there a period of time uh, where we had a majority of elected uh, parasites who were willing to, quote-unquote, obey the Constitution, whatever that means. See, folks, when you deal in nebulous terms, 
when you deal in ill-defined terms, remember a couple of weeks ago I talked about the, the, the power of words and words have meaning and when you string them together in sentences they actually communicate thoughts and ideas. When you, when you communicate thoughts and ideas that are abstract, um, esoteric, that are nebulous, that lack definition, what does it mean to obey the Constitution? Somebody call me and tell me what that means. 844-527-8723. And again, I don't expect many calls on this. I ask for the calls, but I don't expect many because it's an intimidating topic. I get that. I don't get frustrated that people don't call. I get that it's an intimidating topic because we've all grown so used to using these terms. They're poorly defined. They sound good, but they mean nothing. So on my friend Jeremiah's Facebook page, uh, he had a friend of his, well-meaning, I'm sure, uh, talk about the Constitution in very favorable terms and arguing that if they would just obey. Well, there's the word, just. Then, then I responded this morning, there's uh, 100% clear evidence that they don't intend to. So if we can get there, now my my statement is based on fact. I can prove my statement. The assertion by, the nebulous assertion is if they will just obey. My factual return statement is there's 100% of evidence, clear evidence that they will not obey the Constitution because I can point throughout history all the way back Professor Brian McClanahan would say 1789, but I can make a very clear case that isn't that hard for everybody to understand. In 1791, when Washington, or 93, I can't remember now, my brain is foggy right now, uh, when President George Washington uh, marched 13,000 troops into western Pennsylvania to put down the Whiskey Rebellion, a tax rebellion. Well, then the question must be asked, where in Article 2 that, that um, uh, provided, that, that created the office of the executive, where in Article 2 did President Washington find that authority to call up 13,000 troops? Well, tough question. See, I can back up my statement. It's 100% clear from the very onset these guys were not going to obey the Constitution, whatever the word obey means. Now, we know what obey means. It's to comply. It's to, it's to fulfill an obligation. We know what the word means, but then when that word is applied to the idea of obeying the Constitution, this document with seven articles in it, of which most people don't even know what those seven articles are, Certainly most, most of the elected parasitic class does not know what those uh, articles are. Believe me, I worked there. I worked in Congress. Nobody in my office knew what Article 3 was. They didn't know what Article 4 was, Article 5, Article 6. They certainly didn't. When I worked in Congress, we had no clue what the, any of the limitations supposedly contained in Article 1. We didn't know any of that stuff, and if we did, we ignored it. So, you know, I, uh, I unplugged the matrix cable from the back of my head. I quickly came to the realization that the problem will not be solved by the Republican Party. It will not be solved by the Democrat Party. It will not be solved by voting, hoping, and coping. It will not be solved by issuing glib 
ill-defined statements like restoring the Constitution or if they would just obey it. It will only be solved when we have frank, direct conversations about the problems that we face. And I have diagnosed the problem all the way down to our system of government. That is more political philosophy. I get that. But you know what? That was my response back to Jeremiah's friend. Jeremiah is asking the fundamental question. Okay, if this system didn't work, Kreslins, you've exasperated me now. I've, you've beaten me into believing that the system of government we have is broken and beyond repair as it's currently configured. All right, Kreslins, I finally give in. I've listened to your blather. There's nothing else on at this time in the morning. I don't feel like listening to uh, Art Bell talk about aliens coming in from uh, Pluto anymore and landing here and co-opting our government. I don't feel like listening to Art. So you're the only other goofball on radio, so I tune in to you. You beat me down. You finally got me to admit that the system of government is a problem. Now what, smarty pants? Well, exactly. Now what? Well, let's put on our thinking caps, shall we? Let's consider some other options that are out there. And perhaps not necessarily even out there right now, but actually ways of governing that we have to think up. Folks, this is the problem, certainly within my evangelical brothers and sisters uh, uh, minds when it comes to the Constitution, who have been duped into believing that uh, the Constitution is a divine document translated. We don't really have to think about this, Kreslins, because God gave us the Constitution. Don't you understand that those guys got together in Philadelphia? They were all devoted Christians. Every one of them, every morning they prayed and asked God to give them wisdom from above, as it says in the book of James. In the book of James, it says, if you lack wisdom, ask, and he'll give it abundantly. Every morning, Kreslins, they started out that way. And God, throughout the day, gave them wisdom. And before you know it, they happened to be wandering through Isaiah 33, 22, and came upon... Uh, that passage right? Isaiah is describing God as the king, the judge, and the lawgiver, and boom, there came our three branches of government. Kreslins, don't you understand that's how it went down in Philadelphia? Well, no, I don't. I used to, I used to think that, but I don't anymore because the facts overwhelmed me that that's not how it went down. But this is one of the great problems with my Christian brothers out there, is we don't have to think about it because God did it for us. Kreslins, don't you know that we don't have to examine uh, different systems of government? We don't have to ponder that because we've got the one that God wanted us to have. It's called the Constitution. Well, I can prove otherwise. Now, God is sovereign over all things. I do not question that at a theological level. God is sovereign. There are times he exercises his will in profoundly supernatural ways.
the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a pretty supernatural thing, right? Most of the time, he operates in his permissive will. He allows things to happen. So he allowed the Constitution to be formed. But he allowed the Articles of Confederation to be formed as well. And he allowed state constitutions to be formed that were unique to their state cultures. So I make the argument that God, that the Constitution is not divine. It is not inspired. It is not, in the Protestant Bible, the 67th book. My gosh, I cannot tell you how many Christians I run into that hint at it being nearly the 67th book. Well, you got real problems if you believe that. Real deep theological problems if you believe that. So when we, when I've beaten you down and you've come to the conclusion that, all right, Kreslins, the system of government is broken, we agree. We're even kind of beginning to agree that the Constitution might not be a divine document, though we're not quite ready to give that one up yet, but we're, we're moving in that direction. Kreslins, we recognize we've got a matrix cable in the back of our heads. We're unplugging it. What now, smarty pants? What are we supposed to do now? All right, we're unplugged. We're wandering around out here. We're Neo trying to figure out uh, what to do. What are we supposed to do? Well, therein lies a... The, uh, the question of the century, right? If this didn't work, and it doesn't, let me be clear on that, if this system of government, a supposed constitutional republic, whereby the great elected, bureaucratic, elected and bureaucratic parasitic class in Washington, D.C., are supposed to be protecting unalienable rights... If it failed miserably, which it has, then, uh, then, then what? What are we supposed to do? Well, this is what this show is about. This is what the Mark Kreslin show is about. And I'm here to ask you that question. What are we supposed to do? See, if you want to just... Moan and groan and complain about, you know, how bad the Democrats are. That's not, I'm not doing that. I, I'm well past that. that. That I have no interest in doing that. There's, there's nothing curious to me about the Democrat National Convention. I don't watch it. I can't watch it. It's not because I, you know, it's, 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 it's just boring. I can predict what's going to happen. I, I, can, I can read, I can spend those four hours reading something, writing something. Heck, I can go out uh, to dinner with my wife. I can enjoy uh, Star Trek, maybe, or, Dor or uh, Dory. I can, I can enjoy that a lot more than watching the Democrat National Convention. Same, I did the same thing with the Republican National Convention. It's absolutely, utterly boring, except for uh, uh, Trump's 
acceptance speech. That was interesting to me just because he's a anomaly. He's a weird figure in political history. But if it had been Cruz or Kasich or whomever that was standing on that platform accepting the nomination, I wouldn't have cared about that acceptance speech. I could have written their acceptance speech. It's the same thing that was... It's, it's just warmed over hash from 2000 and... Uh, uh, where are we? Six, uh, 12. And then 2008 and 2004. It's just the same stuff. Utterly, utterly vapid, utterly absent any real thought. It's just the same thing. And that's what mainstream conservative talk radio has to offer. But it's even a little bit worse than that because I see people who claim to be deeply principled people violate those principles all the time when it comes to politics. As I mentioned yesterday, there was a show over the weekend by people who would assert to themselves and to their audience that they are highly and deeply principled people who eviscerated Trump. I mean, literally tore the guy apart during the primary, only to now suddenly jumping on the Trump train. That ain't me, folks. If that's the kind of radio you want, or if that's the kind of person you, you are, well then, you know, you're, you're, you're just... I'm, I'm going to be boring to you. I'm going to exasperate you. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to say, you're going to send me an email saying, all right, Kreslins, I get it. What do we do? Well, when I do bring up things like secession, well, we can't do that, Kreslins. We can't. Will you get off your stupid secession idea? No, we can't do that. Uh, so, you know, until I'm going to keep talking about secession until somebody calls in with a better idea and it can't be the nebulous. We've got to restore the constitution or it's ugly stepsister. If they would just obey the constitution, that's not a solution. The evidence is a hundred percent clear. That is not a solution. It's not, ain't gonna happen. So I implore you to call in with actual ideas. I'm, I'm game. Hey, guys, listen, let me be clear. I don't have all the answers. I'm not suggesting that I do. <laughs> That's exactly right, Heyman. <laughs> uh, you guys who tweet me during the show, it's pretty fun some of the things you guys come up with. I'm not saying I have all the answers, but I do believe that there, there are answers out there, and I want to ex explore them. I believe very much in decentralization of power. I don't care what kind of power it is when it comes to politics. Let me rephrase that. When it comes to government, I don't think there's a that um, uh, massive consolidation of power uh, under any guise is a good idea. I think history is very clear. In fact, there's an article I want to get to this morning. And uh, about that. 
I don't think, I think, I think one of the first mistakes we make is when we automatically think bigger is better. And there's something in us, I think it's just a human condition kind of thing that, that, that bigger is better. Now, in some cases it is. I mean, if you're going to form a system of government, a political sub-community, if you will, you better figure out a way to defend it. History is filled with people who had good ideas about systems of government and failed to be able to defend their system of government against other nutcases out there who tend to get power. So I don't live in some utopian world where we're all going to drink Coke and hold hands and, and, uh, and sing the Coke song. I live in a real world where there are evil people who at times tend to get political and governmental power and then abuse the heck out of that and abuse the people. It's, uh, this draws me to this article. I'll put it up on my Facebook page <clears throat> as soon as we go to the break here. It's from Business Insider. It's titled, Here's What History Tells Us What May Happen Next with Brexit and Trump. It's written by a guy named Tobias Stone. I don't know anything about him, but I think he makes some interesting points here. I don't agree with everything he's written in this article by any stretch of the imagination. He's pretty down on Trump, but he's got some pretty good ideas we should consider as well. Again, I am not a Trump supporter. There are things that Trump says that I absolutely uh, am captivated by to see if he'd actually do any of it. But I am not emotionally connected to the guy. I think he's wildly entertaining to watch. But I think Hillary's wildly entertaining to watch as well. Notwithstanding her voice, um, it's just people who... It's kind of like stand-up comedians. You know you know they're lying to you. They're making a lot of this stuff up just to get you to laugh. But, you know, it's kind of like politicians. You know they're lying to you, but, you know, it's kind of entertaining to watch some of this stuff. So Trump's entertaining. Now, the difference between a stand-up comedian and a politician is that a stand-up comedian can't kill you, and a politician through laws can. So I get the difference, but they're kind of entertaining. So, So this guy points out some things about Trump that I think are worthy of consideration. And so that's what this show is about. I'm not, I don't, I'm not throwing down for any party here. You know, I'm not going to vote for Trump. I'm going to write in. In fact, on my website, on my Facebook page, you will see a, a new, uh, uh, what is it called? Um, actually, you know what? I'm going to put it up on my Twitter. I just thought about that. See guys, I'm getting better with Twitter. I just thought, I, had, I just had the light bulb just went off in my head. Hey, you know, I should probably share this on Twitter. Uh, so if you go to my, what is it called? My cover? Uh, hold on a second. Let me go over here. Uh, I think it's called, what is this thing? Uh, my cover photo. So you will see a design of what may turn into a bumper sticker uh, with, the you know, how you see the the president's name and then the vice president's name underneath it and then 2016 well a facebook friend um came up with this bumper sticker idea that i think i'm going to turn into a bumper sticker and if i do i will make sure to let you know uh that i did and the it's a it's a typical bumper sticker look 
Michael, Michael Weinmiller created this. I will not take credit for something I did not do. So thank you, Michael, for creating this. The, uh, the bumper sticker says, Consent, then there's a line, Withdrawn, 2016. That's going to be who I'm voting for in 2016. It's right on my Facebook page. Go to Facebook slash The Mark Kreslin Show. You'll see it. In fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tag it or pin it to the top. There. Now it's at the top. So if you go to my Facebook page, Facebook slash The Mark Kreslin Show, you'll see who I'm voting for. I am going to be overtly clear on who I am voting for. I am voting for consent withdrawn in 2016. So I will not. I've not changed my opinion one second on Trump. But this guy over here at Business Insider, I think, raises some interesting questions about Trump. Ones that we need to consider. So, so because I'm not emotionally tied to Trump, I'm not politically connected to him, I'm not a Republican, I don't jump on the radio and say we got to get the GOP back in power, somehow that fixes it, I'm able to read an article like this and say, hmm, hmm, you know, the guy may actually have some points here I should consider. This is what he said, says, <clears throat> It seems we're entering another of those stupid seasons of humans impo- that, that humans impose upon themselves at fairly regular intervals. I am sketching out here opinions based on information. They may prove right or they may prove wrong. And they're intended just to challenge and be part of a wider dialogue. My background is archaeology, so also history and anthropology. This is Tobias's background. It leads me to look at big historical patterns. My theory is that most people's perspective of history is limited to the experience communicated by their parents and grandparents, so roughly 50 to 100 years. That's what his, his assertion is. His theory is, he's not being dogmatic about it. His theory is that people's perspective of history is largely contained by their parents and their grandparents. I kind of get that. He makes a statement, and he goes on to write this because of this. To go beyond that, you have to read, study, and learn to untangle the propaganda that is inevitable in all telling of history. Don't miss that line. That is so true. History is not as uniform, is not communicated as uniformly as it should be. There is almost always an agenda behind it, especially when it comes to political activism. I have seen this throughout my um, entire career in politics, and I did it myself. I cherry-picked quotes from certain founders who said certain things that I wanted uh, to advocate and and didn't treat them fairly about who they really were as people. They were complex beings like we are today. No, I would cherry-pick the quotes, and we see that a lot today. History is used as a friend of mine who's an actual historian says, uh, history is used as a weapon uh, to beat other people up with. Well, that's just the reality of history. Now, most academic, most truly, uh, um, most true scholars don't go down that route. They, they, they really do see history as just an area of study. They will look at the bad, the good, the ugly, the not ugly, the beautiful. They'll look at all of it. And they'll try to surmise from that um, what happened. Uh, But they don't avoid the difficult parts of history. They'll deal with all of it. 
When you're agendized and you're a propagandist, you tend to just pick the parts of history you like, and you ignore uh, the parts you don't like, or you don't you you play you know um, you play loose with the facts, or you give uh, little attention to the bad parts that you don't like that work against your agenda. Well, I try not to do that anymore. Do I fall prey to it? I'm sure I do. When I when I do, people are very quick to call me on it, which which I'm glad they do. Um, but this guy, I think, has a really good point. He writes this again. I'll read. Uh, to go beyond that, this 50 to 100-year typical frame of reference, people understand history. To go beyond that, you have to read, study, and learn to untangle the propaganda that is inevitable in all telling of history. In a nutshell, at university, I would fail a paper if I didn't compare at least two, if not three, opposing views on a topic. By the way, folks. It is a good discipline to get into, to read the other side of a story. You know, my, as I've mentioned before, my wife and I were involved in crisis marriage counseling for a very long period of time. And there would be people showing up at our door we did not know who were in some kind of marital meltdown. And we would seek to help them keep their marriage together. Uh, if... We would have not done the marriage a service if we only listened to one side of the story. We needed to get both sides of the story. It would do us no good to just listen to the wife and her side of the story and ignore the husband. Well, it's the same with history, folks. If you want to find a certain perspective, then you'll probably find people who are biased in that perspective and, you know, and if, you, if that's all you read, that's all you're going to know. It's what happens with Christians all the time when it comes to the Constitution. They read a couple of authors who are fellow Christians, some of them who claim to be historians, who cherry-pick the snot out of quotes from their favorite founder, and then build a, a narrative that has God essentially at the convention every uh, Monday issuing edicts from on high from the heavens and out pop the Constitution. Well, I recognize that's a little bit of hyperbole there, but you get my point. We have historians in the Christian community, pseudo-historians, I would say, running around saying, uh, making up all sorts of stuff about the Philadelphia Convention, persuading Christians to believe this is a divine document. And most Christians, sadly, don't read an opposing view. They're afraid of the opposing view. They're, they're a little bit nervous that, oh no, what if this guy is wrong? So this guy writes, in a nutshell, at university, I would fail a paper if I didn't compare at least two, if not three, opposing views on a topic. Please integrate that into your study of political theory, political philosophy, of history. Don't just read one source. Read opposing views. Taking one telling of events as gospel doesn't wash the comparative analytical method of research that forms the core of British academia. Now, he says, I can't speak for other systems, but they def they're, they're definitely not all alike in this way. So in the British uh, system of academia, they force people to read opposing views. It doesn't mean you have to agree with the opposing view, but you better know what you're what other people are saying. Sometimes there might be nuggets of truth in there that help you understand your view better. So zooming out, we humans have a habit of going into phases of mass destruction. 
generally self-imposed to some extent or another. This handy list shows all of the wars over time, and he links to a list of wars. And when you read this list of wars, it really is fascinating. From uh, It's called uh, datesandevents.org. I'll put it over my, on my Facebook page during this next break. <clears throat> and it lists all the wars that humanity has been involved in. They start at 1274 B.C., uh, and move all the way to contemporary times. And you see probably a list of well over a hundred wars here that we tend to get involved in. Uh, so we have this habit, and this guy is making his argument, that we, when, when you examine human history from a 30,000-foot level, and you go up and you look at, he starts at 1274 B.C., and you, you uh, zoom out to the 21st century, you see that his point is kind of sound. We tend to get into phases of mass destruction. He goes on to write, wars are actually the norm for humans, but every now and then something big comes along. Like he writes, I'm interested in the Black Death, which devastated Europe. Uh, The opening of Boccaccio's Decameron describes Florence in the grips of the the plague. It is beyond imagination as the Hiroshima or the Holocaust are. I mean, you quite literally can put your, um, I'm sorry, you quite literally can't put yourself there and imagine what it was like. For those in the midst of the plague, it must have felt like the end of the world. This is a great point. We just, we really struggle with history, understanding what it really must have felt like to be in these, in these situations. I was talking to a friend of mine over the weekend. When they started the war for independence, they did not know they were going to be successful. In fact, there was a lot of evidence to suggest they wouldn't be um, successful. When they were in the midst of this war for independence, they didn't, history hadn't been written yet. We look back at it and say, well, geez, look what happened. We see God's providential hand in this. That's what some Christians say, always unable to prove the point, of course. When, history, when we look at history in the rearview mirror, we see what happened. Imagine living in the middle of it. Like he says here, for those in the midst of the plague, it must have felt like the end of the world. It must have felt to them like the world was coming to an end. When we come back from this break, I want to pick up this, this article. And again, I'll put it up over on my Facebook page so you can follow along if you'd like. And... Uh, and I think this guy makes some really interesting points we, we need to consider. Uh, but I want to remind you all that uh, if you missed this segment or any of my segments on the Mark Kreslin Show, if you were a Founders Past member, you would be able to download those and listen to them. So if you get busy in your day and, and you have to click off from the Mark Kreslin Show, uh, then by becoming a Founders Past member, you would be able to go back and download that and listen to the profundities that come out of yours truly's mouth. <laughs> Seriously, folks, for 23 cents a day, you can become a Founders Past member. And if you do so for the next few days, let's see, today's the 26th, five days left, well, just this week, if you become a Founders Past member this this week, and don't put it off, you only have five days to go today and and then five other days, if you become a Founders Pass member uh, this month, you will receive a free autographed copy of Humility of Heart, signed by this new edition's editor, our one and only, 
Mike Church. You'll get it for free as part of your membership. Mike talks about this book on his radio program all the time, and you'll get a free copy of that if you become a Founders Pass member today. Not only will you get a free copy, it will be autographed by Mr. Church. But that's not all. If you become a Founders Pass member, I'm sorry, if you become a Founding Father or Crusader during this month, or you make a $500 cash contribution to our monthly crowdfunding campaign, well, you are going to get the book, and you are going to get a beautiful handmade wooden kitchen cutting board from our good friends at McClureBlock.com. Go to their website, McClureBlock.com, and you will see what you will be receiving for free if you become a founding father or crusader or make a $500 cash contribution to our monthly crowdfunding <clears throat> campaign. So don't put it off. We're running out of time. July is almost over. We'll be into August before you know it. And uh, this deal will go away, though we may have one for August. Who knows? But for the month of July, become a Founders Pass member, 23 cents a day. Get a free copy of Humility of Heart. Become a founding father or a crusader, and you will get a free, beautiful, handmade wooden cook, um, uh, kitchen cutting board from McClureBlock.com. It's that easy. Please join our crusade today and become a Founders Pass member by going to Veritas Radio Network forward slash join. I say just go to VeritasRadioNetwork.com and click the join button. That's a lot easier for dummies like me. Or you can even call them with your information at 866-433-3833. That's 866-483-3833. And they will get you set up with a Founders Pass member. You'll have access to all of the shows, not just my show, but every, every show on the network. Our telephone number is 844-5-CRUSADE, 844-527-8723. This is the Mark Kreslin Show on the Crusade Channel, part of the Veritas Radio Network. Radio, the way it should be.